Thanks for letting the piano settle down, because luckily I, I'm not going to sing. If you have ever heard me sing, I apologize. <laughs> wow, this is awesome. Just what, what a beautiful day God has given us. What a great day to celebrate. What a great day to be here. Uh, look out of the crowd, I see so many familiar faces, and I just think about the community that, that has, has been there for me and my family along this journey of spiritual adventure, five, six years, uh, we've been here. I'm just honored to be here. I, I can see so many familiar faces. It is a journey, isn't it? Are you with me? Yeah? We're all in this crazy, wonderful experience of life together. It's a spiritual journey, and keeping Jesus at the front is, is the way, and it has been a, a great journey. And I know a lot of your stories, and I've been honored and blessed to be a part of your lives for a little bit. Um, uh, and share just a little bit about my story because uh, it pertains to really, it kind of comes full circle to the wonderful couple who's joining us today at Axis, Didi and Anthony Munoz, who are here that kind of bring this, this all full circle. Um, it is family here, it is community here, we feel it all the time. Uh, I got to apologize, I guess, first for wearing a Cubs jersey <laughs> to a football tailgater outing or a VIP thing. It's, I'm a very confused person that actually has bad monkey on the back, and everybody's going, what is that all about? Um, bad monkey, uh, you know, first, I, I guess I should start with, my name is John Sanchez. For those of you who you are, are new, um, I live here uh, in the community. I've been part of Access for five years. Me and my wife, Anya, and our three children uh, have been blessed enough to be a part of Access. I got to serve in the Navy. Uh, I got to serve our country in a very unique way. I got to serve as a Navy SEAL, and uh, Bad Monkey was my call sign. That was what I was known as over the radio all the time. So if you're, if you're out there and you're, you're cruising around the Middle East, if any of you guys are out there and you listen to you know, Squawk Box hit Bad Monkey, Bad Monkey, this is Bad Monkey over. Go ahead. Roger that. Chick Beckman was over there. Um, forget Chick's call sign. The Oarsman. Oarsman 7. Um, so I apologize. I, I didn't have the opportunity to grow up in a town that, that had an Anthony Munoz. I didn't get to grow up and kind of worship in, in a way this great football and this great, you know, and, and have and understand how incredible. I heard of Anthony. Everybody has. But I, hadn't, I wasn't around it for, you know, 13 years, an NFL player, uh, all the Pro Bowls, two Super Bowls, and the only Bengal inducted into the Hall of Fame. Everybody, right here with us today. Wow. So, yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and Anthony is one of the most amazing guys you'll ever get to meet. And I get, I'm going to share some personal stories from, from getting to know him. One of my absolute favorite personal stories was I didn't know him at all. And uh, Anya and I had just moved to Cincinnati, and we got invited by a very good friend, a dear friend, a great man of the community, Tom Hiltz and Tom and Francie. And we're trying to be a part of the community. Tom and Francie invited us to come down to uh, a symphony that they were hosting. And so we got all dressed up. Anya looking beautiful as ever in a beautiful gown. I get my tuxedo on, you know, and we're going downtown. We're a little bit late, so, you know, it's a high-stress environment. I'm driving my little sedan, and... And we're getting, we get there just about two minutes before we're supposed to be there. And in front of us, and we're trying to turn into this parking lot, this parking lot right next to Music Hall downtown Cincinnati. You know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of crazy down there, Washington Park. And right in front of us is this big, white, like, 
Suburban or Tahoe or something. I got my little sedan, and this guy's just not turning in to where I need to go. He's got his turning signal on. He's not moving. And you know me. I'm a very patient person, right? <laughs> so I'm like, come on. You know, I'm like back there. I'm just like freaking out. And, um, and I said, uh, Anya, I said, I got to go do something. So get out of my car. <laughs> get out of my little sedan. Go walking up to this big white Suburban. And I see as I'm walking up. This wrist hanging out of the out of the driver's seat, and I'll never forget. It was a, and a watch that was about the size of my belt, and <laughs> I look up at Anthony. <laughs> I said, uh, and uh, came back to the car. And <laughs> 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 you said, "What's going on?" I said, "I don't know, but there is a huge Mexican dude in that car up there." <laughs> Later, Anthony would tell me he's sitting in his car with Dee, and he says, oh, look at this little cute Mexican guy coming up here. <laughs> <laughs> True story. And we have been on many adventures since. It, it, it started a wonderful friendship, and it started a, a wonderful uh, friendship, of course, with Anthony Dee, but it re 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 reignited us with Christ here in the community. Anya and I moved here, and we were struggling to find a good church to go to, and we had bounced around like many of you. We grew up, I grew up Catholic, and, and so did she, and, and, and we were struggling to find the right place, the right community, the right thing. And, and Anthony, we didn't find it, you know, in a church. We actually found it at around their dinner table. Anthony and Dee Dee invited us to do Bible study at their house, as they do many couples. They have, you know, this really wonderful thing. So Anya and I were blessed enough to go sit in Bible study, and to be around and to be reignited in Jesus in our lives. And with that, we were, we were inspired. They brought that inspiration. They brought that flame back up. And we decided, well, Anya decided, that she would like to host a Bible study in our home. And we invited Anthony Aditi, and we invited Jonathan and Julia Sams, and, and another couple. And, and for weeks, we, we sat around, and we, uh, we really shared it in, the good, in the good news and the good word. And, started to kind of grow in us. We hadn't yet been here. Anya went out of town for two weeks on an international trip, and Jonathan invited me to come here with the kids to Axis. And so I took the opportunity just to come in here, and first time was awesome, and it was great, and the kids integrated over at the, at the kids' you know, thing in the second service. The kids came in here. Anya came back from her trip, and it was Saturday, and I said, hey, um, watch this. I said, hey, Anya, you want to go to church on Sunday? I mean, I said, hey, kids, kids, you want to go to church? And they all go, yeah. And she goes, what did you do to my children? <laughs> I go, what have you done to my kids? What happened? I said, well, we went to Axis, and it was, it's been a great experience, and we have, we have been here ever since. Um, the adventures that I've got to enjoy with the Anthony Didi have been plentiful. And in the, in the SEAL teams, um, you know, when you, when you become a SEAL and you get around the guys – and, you know, people look up to and you can, you know, look, watch movies and read books and all stuff about the SEAL teams. It's all about, you know, uh, brotherhood and fellowship and, and this really tight bond. But in the SEAL teams, the best thing that, you know, we don't, we don't like look up to each other in the way that you might think. The best thing you could ever hear another SEAL say to another, another SEAL is, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And what that really means is I will dive in front of a bullet for that person. But that's it. Now, we all know Anthony to be the best bangle that ever played the game. In fact, if you go into it's not just the best bangle, it's the best offensive lineman of all time. Yeah. 
quite a claim if you think about it, the best of all time. And we all look up to that as, you know, as, as spectators to the sport. But I've had the very unique experience of being a part of, of uh, Didi and Anthony's foundation with Anya, and we are board members, and we got to enjoy uh, when Anthony does a big fundraiser every year. He invites all his Hall of Fame brothers into Cincinnati. We got to go out with them. And as we're with them, these are the best. These are the Hall of Famers. These are all names you know. And you know how they talk about Anthony? He's the best of all time. Best of all time. Not just in sport, but in spirit. Not just in his ability to you know, push a guy down a football field, but his character and God and his heart. And you get to hear true testament. That's the litmus test. When you're with the best of the best, and they take this one man and they say, this is, this guy is everything. But Anthony would say that it's Jesus. He would say that it was God that had given him this. And through so many neat examples, he's proven that time and time again. I'll share it with you one last story before I get to introduce best, best friend. So honored to call him a best friend. Recently, Anthony and Didi celebrated a great milestone, 40 years together of marriage. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Anthony celebrated his 60th birthday as well. So it was a great year, right? Um, Didi decided to hold a, a really nice birthday party for Anthony. We had a really special dinner. We went out to a great steakhouse. It was about eight couples. We got to, you know, stand around. You could, you could see, you could feel God in the room. There were so many just wonderful people. And uh, it's just the presence of, uh, uh, it was just really a really neat environment. And we sat down and we, we broke bread and we shared and we ate. And at one point, just it was almost like anxiety in the room. So I was like, oh my gosh, somebody got to say something, you know. And uh, one, of, one of the other, uh, one of our friends said, hey, I just want to pour in. I just want to say what a great example Anthony has been in my life. And he shared a personal story, and that cracked the room open, and it opened up to many other stories, and we all started talking about these great things about integrity and character and love and God, and it very, actually, no, football was mentioned among this really tight group of friends. Pretty remarkable. At the age of 60, with all the accolades there, this conversation around Anthony's 60th birthday party was about him, his character, his impact that he's making, the great things that he's done in his life to inspire others, to bring others in, to include others, where he came from to where he is. Just awesome. I mean, it's like at 60 years, you could only hope for a 60th birthday like this. And then everybody got done, and there was a moment of pause and Anthony kind of about to say something. And he says, well, and boom, Didi cuts him right off <laughs> like a good wife should. <laughs> and she gets up, and she stands behind him. And in this great culmination of 60 years with all the great friends sitting around, and everybody had poured into Anthony, I thought she was going to say, her piece and, and, and pour into Anthony in the, in, in the same way that everybody else did. But 
in, in true greatness, she surprises everyone, and she says, by the grace of God, that this is all possible. This is all possible through God. This is all possible through Jesus in our lives and what he's done, and this is what it's really all about. And Anthony didn't have to say anything. We all just reflected on that moment. So without further ado, I bring you the greatest of all time, Anthony Munoz, my brother. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you, John. I appreciate those kind words. And uh, before I get started, I uh, just want to make that totally clear that Didi was absolutely right on, hit the nail on the, right on the head, that it is all about Jesus. It's because of his grace, his mercy, his love that I'm standing here and have had uh, 60 great years and 40 of those with Didi, my best friend. Uh, so I, uh, I concur with that. And uh, We've been together, and we, we understand that. We, we both have a very thankful heart, appreciative heart, especially getting opportunities like this to come and share a little bit about um, our journey, what God has done, and what he continues to do. And that's what excites me about getting opportunities to meet new friends and, uh, and to, to share a little bit about um, our lives. Um, and I appreciate John and Anya and their three kids. And uh, that's been the fun thing for Didi and I is, we were not born and raised here, but this is home. We've been here a long time. Is to, to not only have great friends, but we consider uh, family members. And uh, we have a lot, a lot of un amazing uh, new family members as God has brought our way, and we're thankful for that. Um, as I was asked to, to come share a little bit today, um, of course, I see all the football jerseys, a lot of Bengal stuff. Uh, I guess I see some Miami stuff. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, uh, after next week uh, he'll be wearing his orange and black. So uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate your loyalty. That's great. Uh, and then we have a baseball guy. So that's all right. That's all right. I, I, baseball is my first love growing up, so I understand that. Uh, but, you know, just to be able to share a little bit uh, about our journey. And when I talk about, you know, team and, you know, I have to talk about, first of all, family, my family, where I've come from and, and my background and really, it might be one of those things where I, you know, I think about it and say, man, I don't want to ever remember what I went through as a kid and I want to forget about that, but I don't. I appreciate and I'm thankful that I was raised by my mom, that she raised five kids by herself, working two, three jobs. Even though at a young age she got rheumatoid arthritis and struggled, she still worked, taught us what work ethic was all about, taught us what responsibility was. She was mom, dad, coach, and we knew she was the boss. I have two older brothers, two younger sisters. I'm in the middle of five. And li literally, when I say two or three jobs, I mean, she did whatever she could. There was days where we'd walk home from school because we never had a car growing up. Everything we did was either by foot or relatives giving us a ride, we'd walk home from school with pillowcases of clothes because she would iron clothes for our teachers. She taught us amazing things, and one of them was how to iron clothes. I mean, they'd come in this bag, and they would go back. Picture the best dry-cleaned shirt or suit, and 
what she did was probably five to ten times better than that. I mean, it was starts, it was crease, and she did that for teachers and worked a couple other jobs. And so mom was amazing, taught us a lot of things. And I could say, well, we didn't have a whole lot. I want to forget about that. A lot of people get stuck when they think about, like I could have gotten stuck in where, thinking about my dad that I never met. He was a heroin addict, in and out of prison. He's dead. I never met him. Well, I didn't experience that, so let's move on. Let's not let that get you stuck, because mom was amazing. She was one of 11. I had a lot of aunts and uncles and relatives that were there to support. So what she taught us about work ethic and responsibility and how to wash clothes and how to iron clothes and how to wash dishes and how to cook. We were in survival mode because she was gone 5.36 in the morning. She'd get back ready to fix dinner. So we had, especially in the summertime, we had to do things. If we wanted to eat during the day, we had to learn how to cook. And by no means were we going to go out with wrinkled clothes because, first of all, mom wouldn't let us. Didi knew my mom, knew her well. We've known each other. She knew her for a long time, knew that we might have one set of clothes for the school year, but, man, they were creased. They were starched. They were ironed because my mom was, her philosophy is just because you don't have a whole lot doesn't mean you have to look like you don't have a whole lot. So we learned all those things growing up, and that was amazing. I'm thankful that I learned those. See, like I said, I could say, well, I want to forget about that, but no, I don't. Because those were valuable lessons that I learned as a young man that have helped me through life. How to, how to overcome adversity. Well, the reason as a kid I learned that because there were some drive-by shootings. Lost some relatives to drive-by shootings. We had to get over that. Athletics was a big part of my life, and during the school year, in order to go out and play baseball or football or basketball, I had to get my homework done. During the summer, and believe me, baseball is my first love, I tried to get to the park as early as possible in the summer and play all day, but we, had, we could only do it after I got my chores done at home. And it wasn't just take a swipe and dust the furniture and go. I mean, we had to sweep. We had to wash, make sure that uh, when Mom got home that it was clean. Then I could go out and play baseball. So sports played a big part of my life growing up as a kid. In high school, I played football, basketball, and baseball. Same thing. Great, great experience through high school. So when I talk about team, the first part is family. And then as I go through high school and I go to college, that was basically the second thing I want to talk about is my college team. Because what I learned in college, I would not trade for anything. The four years at USC, there in Southern California, I learned about teamwork. I learned about overcoming adversity. And the one thing I learned about that I'm so thankful 40 years later now is it was the first time that anyone took this 18-year-old young man that was about 6'6", about 300 pounds, and didn't ask me, well, how's football going? How many people are you mean? How, you know, how many people recognize you? But I had somebody sit me down and say, how are you doing with Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know Jesus. What are you talking about? But he asked me about football. He asked me about class, and I'd answered, I'm doing good. So I figured when he asked me how am I doing spiritually, I said, I'm doing fine. But I wasn't doing fine. That was the first time that somebody sat with me and said, do you know God loves you? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
I've never heard that before, that God loves us and has a plan for our life. But I also heard that we're born with sin nature, that we're sinners, that the wages of sin is death, that we are looking at eternal separation from God because of our sin. And when I think about sin, it takes me to a sports analogy. I use a lot of sports analogies, and I heard this one. I have a foundation, as John mentioned, a couple of small companies. And hopefully my staff doesn't get tired of sports analogies. I played team sports for a lot of years. But when I think about sin, and I think about how we miss the mark, and whatever we try to do that we cannot be perfect, I heard somebody explain it in archery terms. You have the, the bullseye, you know, and you, you draw back, or as I get to with John Sanchez at times, go up to his place and shoot some guns. Well, he can hit the bullseye with the gun, believe me, plenty of times. <laughs> and I just try to hit the bullseye. <laughs> but as individuals, we cannot hit that bullseye. None of us, not one of us will ever be perfect and hit that bullseye. Because we're born with sin nature. And because the wages of sin is death, I mean, it's eternal separation from God. But God provided in his son Jesus so you have to understand, at the age of 18, I'd heard the name of Jesus, but not in the way this guy was talking about it, if you understand what I'm talking about. I heard a lot of people use the name of Jesus, but not in that way he was sharing with me. He says that God is provided in the Son of Jesus, who was born of a virgin birth, walked on this earth, was crucified, was raised on the third day. That if all we have to do is believe in who he is, it doesn't matter what we do, what good, how good of a person we are, or help this person do that, but believe in his name, and you'll have eternal life. You will not perish. I've never heard that before, and it's not because this guy that was sharing with me had the relationship, but we had to make an individual decision. You see, so I heard that in college for the first time from a teammate, from another big, rough-and-tough football player, who one of the first things we did when we saw Brad Green is a former lineman, you look at him, you see how big he is, is he strong enough, is he going to help us out? But the first thing we learned about Brad Green is that he was a born-again Christian. Whoa. <laughs> we looked for his halo to see if he had a halo over his head. Didn't see a halo. I did see that this faith in Jesus was real to Brad. He was not ashamed to share with his teammates. He was concerned. He cared about his teammates, and I'm thankful that he shared that with me. I'm talking about team. I can look, at, look and see that Brad had our backs. He wanted us to know Jesus the way he did. So my freshman year, that happened. So I come back my sophomore year. I'm dating this young lady. We started dating that summer before I came back. We started dating in June after my freshman year. I asked her to marry me in December. So that next year... I thought this was going to be the biggest decision I ever made in my life. April of 1978, Dee Dee and I got married 40 years ago. It was the biggest decision in my life until October of that year. When we both sat there, you have to understand that, not knowing a whole lot about spiritual things, about Jesus, as a football player, man, I'm all now teammates, family members, people start sharing with us about Jesus. I'm thinking, man, there is an all-out blitz coming. <laughs> Full court press. But I knew, we both knew in October, that this big, rough, and tough football player 
I couldn't make it through life without Jesus in my life. So 40 years ago, actually, this next month, here we are, the last day of September. This next month, October, 40 years ago, is when not only myself, but both Didi and I invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives. So I think about, praise God, praise God. So when I think about team and I think about, you know, family and USC and my teammates, I got to think about those teammates that helped, that God helped in our lives. It wasn't all about Brad. It was about Brad being obedient to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit move in his life and then move in our, our lives. So we learned as a sophomore at USC, I tell people I didn't know a whole lot then, don't know a whole lot more now, but I know that we had to get plugged in. We had to get plugged into another team. You see, because family, USC, and then marriage is another thing. I mentioned Didi. 40 years we've been married. 40 years we've been a team. It isn't 50%. It's 100% her, 100% me. It's being in the same foxhole together. It's being, you know, I have her back. She has my back. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when I'm not with Dee Dee and she's with someone that she has my back. And I'm pretty sure, 100% sure that she knows I have her back. And that what is, that's what marriage is to me, is having each other's backs. As a former NFL football player, and even now, People want to see Anthony Munoz, Anthony Munoz. And one of the things I did early on in our career, I would grab her arm because Dee Dee doesn't like to be in the forefront. She likes to back. If somebody wanted to meet me, they were going to meet my wife because I would clamp her arm and I would bring her up and introduce her first because I wanted people to know who Dee Dee Munoz is, how special she is. So family, school, marriage, and church. Like I said, didn't know a whole lot back when we got saved, but don't know a whole lot more now. But we knew we had to get plugged in to a church, to Bible studies, to discipleship groups. And during the season, it was tough if you wanted to allow it to be tough. On Sunday, I was working, but work didn't start till 1 o'clock. We had our church at 9 in the morning every Sunday during the season. Our chapel. It was a church, church service. On Tuesday night, we had our couples Bible studies. On Friday afternoon, which was a short day during the season, a group of guys would get together and have our discipleship group where we had a staff member of Athletes in Action who would work with us, memorizing scripture, going through scripture, praying for each other, praying for our families. It's a matter of being willing to sacrifice and take the time to do that. Grow. The same way that as a football player, I used to hit the weight room. I used to go out and run. I used to practice my technique. So when I stepped on the field, I'd be ready. I'd be strong. I'd be in great shape. And I could perform. And I wasn't just going to play one year with the Bengals, but I could play 13. It's no different than us as believers. We have to become strong in our faith our prayer life, our scripture life, our fellowship life. You know, I love when I get a chance to, to talk, because Dee Dee and I are always talking, 
A lot of times, I'm thinking of something, and Dee Dee, she'll say, God has given me this. And I'll get my book, and I say, okay, what is it? I'm ready to write. A lot of times, she, she, she'll give me thoughts, and then I can expand on it. We work together. That's the great thing about our relationship. It's so much fun. So we've been praying about this opportunity this morning, and I got up early, and I went through my workout, and I'm getting out of the shower, and she's sitting there, and she's got two sheets of paper, and she's already written on both sides. She goes, the Holy Spirit, God just gave me some words for this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let me sit down here. I got to start writing. And the amazing thing, it, it was about team, teamwork. I mean, when I think about it, and I've mentioned family, I've mentioned marriage, I've mentioned USC, and you can throw, I mean, you can throw the military in there, the Navy, the Army, any branch of the military. And here's what Didi and I talked about. What happens when you have a team is you take a group of very diverse people working together for what? One goal. And it's, and it's really cool because I've talked about leadership and I've talked about teamwork, and I use that a lot, but that just wasn't popping out to me. And here God had given her that this morning to let me pin that down on paper. And that everyone is different of that diverse group. And I, the first thing, because I use our, the offensive line that I played with for like eight, nine years, I use that a lot of time as a group of diverse individuals where you have guys with different gifts, but you have to accept and work together. So I was a left tackle from Southern California. My left guard was a hog farmer from Iowa. Our center was very, very smart guy from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, of Polish descent. So you have a Hispanic, a hog farm, farmer, a Polish guy. You have another Hispanic from East L.A., Max Montoya. And then you had a big Texan, big Red Raider from Lubbock, Texas. The five of us, I mean, how different can you get? How diverse can you get than those five having to work together to what? To execute and accomplish one goal. It's no different from the other teams I've mentioned and from a church. You look at a church and you see the diversity. And you have to work together. You have to come together, to grow together, to go out and share Christ with the community together. You have to accept the differences. You have to accept that you might have a gift that I don't have and vice versa. But we can't be jealous. We can't be envious of that. We just got to accept them and work together. I couldn't have been jealous that I couldn't run as fast as James Brooks. That's never going to happen. But I can open up a hole so James Brooks with that speed can get through, right? And we can score a touchdown and win football games. Well, I wasn't good looking like Boomer Esiason with that blonde hair and that big stature. <laughs> but I'm going to make sure that Boomer doesn't get dirty during the game so he can throw a touchdown pass. We accept each other's gifts and our differences to come together and accomplish a goal. And you know what? One of the things that I love to, to do is after an NCAA basketball championship game or a Super Bowl game or the game seven of the World Series, I love to, regardless of what time it is, I love to watch when they lay the platform out and they give the trophy out. And I love to hear the speeches after someone's won a championship. Because more times than not, they talk about what? 
The reason they've had a successful season because their team has come together like a family. When you have a team where you win a football game, but the wide receiver's complaining that he didn't get his number of catches that he should have had, instead of saying, hey, next game I'll get my catches, but we won the game. That's where you don't get that family atmosphere, that team atmosphere. Your number one concern is about the good of the total team, of the total family. And I'll forget, being a USC guy, of course, I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. <laughs> but I was at a banquet and Lou Holtz was speaking. And after being around Lou for two times, all it took, two times, I'm a big Lou Holtz fan. A lot of respect for the man. And I'll never forget, he was speaking at, up at the Oscar Center at Jim, uh, Jungle Gyms, and he said, one of the points he made is that an individual's role is not more important than the team's goal. I said, man, how, that is so true. So many times the individual think that they're so much bigger than the team. And that's where you get a corrosion of teams. Championships, teams start talking about family. And as I get ready to, to end and wrap it up here, I just want to leave you with a couple of scriptures. And we can talk about following Jesus. We can talk about this and that. And I love it because this challenges me. If I'm going to go out and speak, talk, the talk, I better walk the walk. And I wrote a couple of scriptures down. The first one I wrote down was in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It doesn't say part of it. It says with all of it. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second scripture that I wrote down is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. He says with ev everything. One of my favorite scriptures that sometimes I'll write when I sign autographs is Colossians 3, 23 where it says, in everything you do, do it wholeheartedly. It doesn't say some things you do, do it with a half effort. It says everything you do, do it wholeheartedly as working for the Lord and not man. So as a former football player, as a dad, as a grandfather, as a community member, do whatever you're doing. If you're a teacher, an attorney, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. And don't look for accolades and pats on the back from man. Look to please God through what you do. And that's a challenge I'll leave with you. Where are we with our, first of all, our relationship in pursuing God and our relationship with Jesus? And everything we do, are we doing it first and foremost to glorify God and not man? That's why it gets a little uncomfortable when John was up here, the introduction, and that night at our dinner when Everybody's saying all this, that Dee Dee feels compelled, and if she hadn't said it, I feel compelled to say it's because of God's grace and his glory. Because the last thing I'll share, the thing that, you know, I talked about upbringing, how we get stuck, or we, you know, want to forget about that. Four years at USC, the reason I have such an appreciative heart, such a thankful heart for stepping foot on an NFL practice field, let alone playing 13 years for the Bengals, is because at four years at USC, I talked about coming to Christ. 
I never knew if I'd play football past USC. In four years, I had three knee operations. I played one healthy season at USC. Hurt my freshman year, hurt my junior year, my senior year, first game of the season, fly home, and I'm having my third knee operation. Missed the entire season. People were saying, Anthony, find something else to do. Anthony, look another direction. Football, your dream's over. But two and a half years into my spiritual journey, after that third knee operation, God still gave me the passion and the desire to rehabilitate and give it one more shot. I wanted to rehabilitate, and we were winning that year, and we played in our third Rose Bowl at USC, and I'd yet to play in a Rose Bowl. I wanted to play in one Rose Bowl with the guys I came into school with, and God allowed me to do that. I rehabilitated. I played one game that senior year, and that was in the Rose Bowl. And even after that game, it was like, oh, what a great end to a story. Move on. Your dream's over. And both Didi and I, we said, you know what? Let's wait until God closes the door. January 1st, I play that game. April 29th, 1980. Details a little sketchy. <laughs> 10 a.m. in the morning, L.A., 7 o'clock, New York. We get a call. The draft. Not only was I, all I wanted was a chance to get a chance to go play to go to a camp and see if I could compete on the NFL level. Well, the Bengals gave me a shot. They drafted me, not only drafted me, but the third pick in the entire draft. That's why I appreciate and I'm thankful. I don't take anything for granted. And I also know when God has a plan, no man, no man can disrupt his plan. He had a plan for Didi and I to come back to Cincinnati, and here we are 38 years later, still in this great community, loving life, loving the Lord, and loving that we live here in Cincinnati. You see, so when I share my story, I could just share about the 13 years, the body of work in the NFL, and it's all nice. But I want to share the entire journey and how God can work in your life and how God is still alive and still changing lives through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what excites me. I could sit up here and tell you two, three hours of stories, football stories, and you'd say, man, those are grown men going through those things. <laughs> yeah. I could share, but I'm sharing with you the things that are really, really important. And that's family, marriage, church, team. And the most important thing is I read, following Jesus with all your heart. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. If you don't mind, I would just like to wrap us up in a, a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. I appreciate who you are, what you've done, what you continue to do. Thank you that you've given us such an amazing gift in Jesus. That whoever believes in his name shall not perish but have eternal life. I thank you that 40 years ago that you worked on our hearts and you worked on my heart and you let me see that that is what I needed, a Savior in Jesus. Thank you for Axis Church. Pray that you continue to bless this church, continue to protect them, allow them to Continue to share the message of Jesus and continue to grow in numbers, Father, and go deeper in your love. Thank you for Pastor Sands, his staff. Thank you for the Sanchez family, for this opportunity for Didi and I to be here today. Father, my prayer is that, as I spoke today, that the name of Jesus would be lifted above all names. 
And I thank you for that. I praise you for that. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.